Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Once again, we're tuned in live to Black Women and Artificial Intelligence Beyond the Lab, where we speak with the leaders of industry to discuss how they balance life beyond the lab. Today, our guest is Kat Posey. She is the Senior Tech Director within Capital One Center for Machine Learning, which focuses on AI, ML research, and strategic innovation initiatives, including the development of tools, technologies, frameworks, and partnerships within the industry and academia. She leads the Advanced Machine Learning Organization, which is accountable for ML applications that support anti-money laundering, AML, the R&D investment strategy, talent pipeline development, and outreach. Good morning, Kat. How are you? Good morning. This is a bright spot. I'm so honored to be a part of this. And, you know, when you have those long weeks, you, you look for those moments of joy. And this is a moment of joy. So I'm, I'm really excited to be here. We love that we are certainly a part of your moment of joy. And we are excited to have you here. We have so many great things to discuss, but I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to hold on to the big thing right now. So give us more insight about who you are, Kat Posey. Ooh, what a, what a great question. So I am a daughter. I am a sister. I am a friend. I am a people leader. I am a part of a leadership organization for Capital One. Um, I'm a poet. <laughs> I'm an Alaskan. Um, I am a tech superwoman organization I founded to empower women in tech and center on what works and what matters. So uh, I am many things as I, as I know all of us are. We contain multitudes. And so I certainly am multifaceted in my identity. And I think one of the things I've been focusing on on lately, which I really appreciate the question, is how to own my narrative, how to own my story fully. I, I feel like there's always things that we feel, well, this doesn't quite fit, or I don't know, you know, and I'm learning like, write, write it all in, write all of you in to your story. Um, and I'm on that journey and it's um, exciting. Wow, that is awesome. Own your narrative. Uh, it, it's extremely important. Uh, from a personal sense, as well as a business sense. So when it comes to, you mentioned that you were a poet, which we are definitely going to talk about later. <laughs> and you mentioned you were from Alaska. Those key things we're definitely going to talk about. Um, but in owning your narrative, talk to us about your journey, you know, into becoming the senior tech director within Capital One's Center for Machine Learning. Absolutely. So I've always loved the ways that technology and culture inform each other and the ways that culture pushes technology, the way that technology can transform culture, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, uh, I find fascinating and always have. And I also equally love people and ideas. 
So, you know, that, that opportunity in technology is such an intersection of, of all of those things. And so my journey in started off in uh, my first job out of college. I have a liberal arts background. So I came to tech by way of history and film rhetoric, which is, you know, a bit unusual, but I've always been right and left brained. And so I did uh, internships doing data and database administration. And then when it was time to get a, a job after college, I started off as a web coordinator and spent a year and a half, you know, in, in that role at first and had imposter syndrome for sure. <laughs> so anxious. I didn't know I was learning. I was um, training myself front end web development. I was doing product management and content management. And so it was just drinking from the fire hose. Uh, but after a year and a half, I really found I hit my stride. And uh, increasingly, I was doing most of the work so much so that when a person I was working with left the company, they never backfilled. And <laughs> <laughs> my job didn't really change. And that's when I realized, oh, wow, I, you know, I really am, am hitting my stride here, managing, um, uh, working with our engineering team and setting a product vision and, and driving our product management and still doing front end web development. And I fell in love. I fell in love with technology. It was not, if I had picked my career, I probably would have gone to film school because I love bringing this history <laughs> that we didn't learn, right? That a lot of us didn't learn so much rich history um, and wanting to bring that to life in film. And so it, it was one of those things. It was a God thing. You know, it's a big part of my life and God opened that door that I wouldn't have known to choose for myself. And I fell in love with technology and uh, wanted to get closer and closer to how it kept changing my job. You know, we would build like a video sharing site and then YouTube comes on the scene we would build like a photo sharing, photo voting site, and then Facebook opened up to brands. And so I kept seeing my job change because technology was changing. So being at the emerging edge, the bleeding edge of technology has just been something I've always been passionate about. So um, eventually I, I moved to Silicon Valley and at the same time, right around that same time, founded Tech by Superwomen, which grew into internationally recognized movement that for me at that time, this is like 2010, 2011, when I founded it, women in tech was like, the lists were, were not inclusive. They were not intersectional and they were C-suite. Like it was Sheryl Sandberg and it was, you know, Marissa Mayer and, and others. And so it was like, step one, be a CEO. <laughs> Like, how do you, you know, how do you make your way in? And so I, I wanted to create a platform that was democratizing the conversation. So we had women who were emerging in their careers, talking with women who were, you know, the featured speakers at big conferences and all of their stories were equalized by being given equal access to the platform and to being highlighted. So that became really important to me. And I grew up in Alaska. So my friend group was very intermixed, black, white, you know, Asian, indigenous, you name it. And so I wanted a, a platform that reflected that as well without having to say it. So when you looked at Tech Super Women programming, it was also inclusive from a gender and LGBTQ perspective as well. Like it should just be the voices, all the different voices coming together to talk about how we all win 
when yeah. tech is a more inclusive place and um, practically, how do we do that, right? <laughs> what are the practical steps? Who's getting it right? What can we learn from them? And so that became a big part of my uh, moving to Silicon Valley, continuing to build my career, you know, working on the tech side, then moving to the business side, getting closer to like strategy. And, and in my current role at Capital One, I really get to blend both, which is exciting. I'm leading engineering and machine learning engineering functions. I'm also leading strategy and R&D. So it's just a great blend for me. And looking back, I can say, oh, well, look how all those things lined up. But I will tell you, you don't see it all at the beginning. You know, and my parents have really taught us an agile mindset of lily padding is what they call it. So they're like, you know, don't try and like land perfectly or plan everything. Just go to the next opportunity you can see. And then once you've leaped to that lily pad, your vantage point changes slightly. You see a little bit more and then you make another decision. Like it's not permanent. You know, you have to have that agility and flexibility in how you go about your career while knowing what your North Star is and what you're moving towards. So when, when I hear you speak, a lot of uh, women uh, that I've spoken with, they are looking, not all, but a lot of them are looking at this as one straight line. And I want you to speak to that because I really want them to know that it's not always a straight line <laughs> and how you get here. So if you could speak to those women that are just, you know, that are just starting out or hesitant to start out in tech at all because they feel as if, you know, they're of a certain age, you know, it's too late for them and it has to be a specific path. It's a straight line. If you can speak to those women. Absolutely. So I would start where we, where we started, which is a owning your narrative is a very important part of it. I think if you own your story, you'll be amazed who will connect to it. So you know, I, I don't have a classical tech background in terms of education, but my results speak for themselves, right? And so that is a challenge that you run into when you have, you know, that kind of diversity in perspective and you bring together different disciplines. Some folks, don't, they, you know, if they're pattern matching, they're like, what do we do with you? You don't fit a pattern, right? <laughs> and so the danger is you can internalize that and then start to think, your liability or like your background to liability it's actually your asset it's actually the benefit that you bring the fact that i can think about history and context and how important that is to everything that we do especially when you think about machine learning <laughs> and all of the blind spots and what that can mean in terms of coding and bias and and other um, short-sightedness into our solutions like that classical um, educational background is actually an asset to, to where I am. And the fact that I, you know, learned on while doing just gives me that deeper sense of appreciation and expertise of knowing every step of what that journey is like. So I learned and I'm learning how to fully own my narrative, even when others, you know, they don't know how to see you. Well, if you don't tell them how to see you. They're just going to write you know, their own journey. So have confidence that, hey, maybe you're switching careers. Maybe you're coming in for something else. That is an asset. That is not a liability or not behind. That is going to be a rich bed on which you draw to make you unique and what you're able to do and deliver in your, in your new journey. And the second thing I would say is there's a great article that I still <laughs> reference. And it was in Fast Company 
2012. It was like the cover story. It was called Generation Flux. And it was a phenomenal look at where we were heading um, in the technology world. And in that, DJ Patel was like one of the co-founders of the term data scientist. You know, it was LinkedIn's data scientist founder, eventually went on to be the first data scientist in the United States for President Obama. But in it, he, he lays out an analogy of weather patterns. And he is explaining that there are some weather patterns that you can only see two weeks out. There are other weather patterns you can only see two days out. And then there are some weather patterns you can only see two hours out. And the point of the article is that we are in a business climate that is two hours out. The future belongs to people who constantly reinvent themselves. It is not a straight path. You have to learn to surf the jobs that are needed. There's no like blueprint for how to prepare for them. And so it's actually that people will change their careers, not their jobs. Their career in terms of what they do will change every four years. So it, there is no, you know, there is no being behind. <laughs> if you're transitioning, you're, you're actually doing what is natural and what is the current climate we're in, which is we're all reinventing, we're all flexing, we're all picking up something else and adding it to this. And it's giving us this unique uh, ability to lead and meet the moment. I think what you just said will help a lot of women because we can get stuck and say, okay, this is a specific line. I have to go this way. And I'm certainly guilty of that, <laughs> I will admit. Um, but I love that you're, you're giving some insight into, you know, the theory of that you, you really can pivot. You know, you really can adjust uh, based on your own narrative, based on where you want to go and where you want to be. But in this industry, there are some skills that are required, specifically if you're going into technical roles. So give us some insight into what are the key technical skills needed to be successful. I think it will definitely depend on what jobs you're, you're going after, right? So you're going down a software engineering track, you know, learning code and learning how to code um is obviously like foundational and there's lots of different ways to go about that whether it's going back to school whether it's doing some of the coding boot camps or coding academies i mean that that becomes important especially if you're you know it your role requires execution i think even if it doesn't having at least some theoretical understanding of the concepts is very helpful um, if you're heading into product management, for example, so there's lots of roles in tech, right? So if you're, if you're going more the product management lens, having a foundation in there is important. Is it essential to, depends on the company. There are plenty of folks who want their product folks to have, um, you know, software engineering background, but then there are others who don't and who want their, their PMs to have more classical product background or maybe more of a design focus. So I think like with product, there's a little more freedom. So there may be folks who feel like I have strong acumen, I understand technical concepts. I just don't wanna be coding all day. Like I'll consider a career in, in product management where there's a lot of you know, need to, to also drive consensus, to, to hold multiple different perspectives in your mind and figure out, you know, what's the balance in terms of, of how to move something forward and what's the true North star. So it's a different kind of problem solving and you're often a translator, you know, you don't, 
you may not be fluent in all of the languages, but you understand enough of each to, to translate. So I would say that that's a very exciting um, path that people should also consider. Another is I consider design a part of tech. Um, not everyone does, but I actually think it, it is and increasingly so, you know, especially when you think about interaction design, user experience. Um, mm. The future of technology is probably going to be virtual reality, 3D, experiential. So the interaction designers are going to become even more important. And that, again, has a specific set of discipline and skill sets that you can learn. Again, there are academies and classes, so it's not prohibitive. It's not time prohibitive. We're not talking four years of going back to school. But you know, there are um, things you can do on the job, too, to sharpen your skills. Now, data science machine learning, which I'm very excited about, and I, I think more of us need to enter into this field, that is a you know, more math intensive and engineering intensive discipline. So, you know, again, there are, we're not talking necessarily four years to be able to um, be effective in role, could be a two-year program, could be a one-year program. Um, in, in that, and some people start in engineering and move to data science. Some people start in data science and move to engineering. Machine learning engineers is kind of a new field that is emerging that is a mix of engineering and data science. So folks who understand, you know, how to build models, but also how to scale them. Um, and so that, that is a rarity. You know, there are also people who come into data science through statistical backgrounds. There are people who come into data science through physics backgrounds. I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And then within the machine learning space, there certainly is the need for data scientists and, and engineers, but there's also the need for ethicists. There's the need for people who are going to think through policy and law. There is the need for people who think from a philosophy standpoint, from an ethical standpoint, from a societal impact standpoint. So that's what I love. I think that's why I love machine learning so much. I am inherently interdisciplinary. I'm inherently multifaceted. It's how I see the world. I have multiple areas of expertise and I like to blend them. And I think in machine learning and artificial intelligence space, that is just the reality of the work. You cannot design these intelligent systems without understanding the context in which it must operate and the policy and societal changes that it either will bring about or will need. And so it is a very holistic uh, discipline and it, you do not have to have a um, machine learning or engineering background to have a fulfilling and important role to play in the machine learning ecosystem. There is a lot of need for people who think intersectionally, just generally, bringing that to bear. Yeah. So the holistic approach not only includes the technical skills, but it also includes soft skills. Yes. And oftentimes in conversations when it comes to artificial intelligence, this portion is left out. I'm not exactly sure why, <laughs> but if you could speak to what soft skills are important, because sometimes we dismiss them but they're extremely important. I think for reasons that are strange, maybe the way they're even framed as soft skills, people think that means not necessary. Mm -hmm. um, and what they're really getting at is it's harder to quantify. So you think about the scientific method of you know, measuring what you can see and 
when you're in soft skills, you're talking emotional intelligence. And that is a much harder um, thing to quantify, to, to put, you know, a, one plus one equals two. Well, in EQ, it's not that direct, right? It's not necessarily linear. And so I think that's why it's a challenge because it's like, well, if we can't conduct experiments around it with great ease, like, ah, it feels intangible, but it is absolutely essential. You're, you're 100% spot dead on. Like, you th- I think about some of the challenges we've seen. Um, and these are not light challenges, right? I mean, we're talking folks who've been misidentified by facial recognition are now bringing lawsuits. I mean, that is real, like sentence, mandatory sentencing guidelines that are biased, that are resulting in like people's loss of freedom, um, you know, bias in hiring algorithms, bias in like the algorithms that determine who goes to the ER and who gets to see a doctor. I mean, yeah. these have real consequences. These are not theoretical dystopian future, you know, <laughs> the future is now and the bias and the impacts are with us now. And I think sometimes it suffers from a lack of imagination, maybe, of imagining how things could go wrong. And one of the key ways to get around that is empathy. I mean, inclusivity, yes, and also empathy. Putting the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes and think about what that impact could be to, to those people and then address it, you know, account for it. And so that is a quote unquote, soft skill, (laughs) the ability to empathize, the ability to, and that's where I think the future of machine learning truly is interdisciplinary and we need more of it. We need people with different life experiences, different um, contexts that they bring, different skill sets, different jobs that they've had that lead them with a different perspective to make our machine learning future more resilient because I think we're at risk right now of either losing public confidence, which means, I mean, I am not, I, I think that regulations are very important to make sure things are protected, like financial services, I think has some wonderful regulations that protect people. I think we all agree we want smart regulations. And what happens when uh, those who are currently building systems are not building it from a place of empathy or not accounting for their own blind spots, are not doubling down on inclusivity. They end up building systems that can cause harm, including public harm, and then it undermines confidence. So then the regulations become, you know, pretty heavy handed, right? Because they're trying to stop harm. And so the opportunity is right now for people to focus on how do we get this right? How do we do this from an inclusive standpoint so that we can have smart, elegant, you know, thoughtful oversight and not, you know, spoil our future because we were irresponsible in the moment. Yeah. So in preparing for that future, uh, there are so many things that are happening, as you mentioned, you know, in, in terms of the criminal justice system, and healthcare and fintech, just so many different aspects of artificial intelligence. And uh, what do you see as crucial in preparing for the future of tech? How does one prepare for that future with so many variables? When, um, you mean as individuals or do you mean as society or? 
as individuals, if someone is saying I'm getting into this field, but I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> Got it. Yes. Uh, I think come in, the water is fine. Like get in here. <laughs> I would say we need more and we need more now. This, you know, um, Andreessen Horowitz, which is a uh, VC firm, I think Mark Andreessen is is famous for coining a phrase: uh, "Software is eating the world." Mm -hmm. uh, and, and by that they meant like every business is becoming a software business. So you even think about like uh, what's that commercial for the Tuck Fit, um, you know, clothing where they're like, "We'll customize your clothing," right? That's tech technology changing the way we shop and the way that we buy, right? Right down to our fashion purchasing. So fashion industry is becoming a technology business. Healthcare yeah. is becoming a technology business and so on down the line, right? Similarly, from my perspective, AI is eating software. So if software, if every business is becoming a software business, every business is gonna have to start thinking about the data that they have, how are they responsibly going to use that data to drive and create new interactions for customers and new business models or risk being left behind. So every, every business is going to become in, in some ways a machine learning organization. Yes. And so what that means is the opportunity is only multiplying by the hour. So if you don't start now, then like tomorrow is the right time. If you don't start tomorrow, then the next day is the right time. Like it is only growing. And so this is the great time to start building a career um, in the machine learning and artificial intelligence space. And we need, one of the things I think that is so black girl magic is that I think black women often are intersectional because we live at intersections of gender, of race, Yes. what have you. And so we are translators. We sit at intersections. We are, our brains, I think often are like, you know, living in that space. Right. And, and so I think it gives us a superpower that we can leverage a perspective, a set of experiences that we can leverage um, in these jobs to be even more effective. Yes. I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> I think we transition very well. We pivot very well based on, you know, shared experiences, based on, you know, past experiences. We're able to pivot uh, very quickly. And, and we just so, to be pragmatic because we're looking for some real solutions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's focus on, but how does this go from like a nice concept to something that really, you know, has an impact? Yes, and works for everyone. Yes. Or at least does no harm. At least does no harm. So in preparing for that future, Capital One is having a diversity and AI summit. Tell us why Capital One is leading this effort. I love that, that question. And I think for us, it's a, it's a number of things, you know, some of the things we've already discussed, right? So we recognize that tech, artificial intelligence machine learning is the future. I think you know, Capital One, we are actually a tech company that works in financial services. And as a result, you know, we are built on a modern stack. We are, I think, one of the first banks to go all in in the public cloud. So we're all about leveraging the power of big data and machine learning. And for us, it's about the impact of the customer, the ability to provide that in-time, just-in-time, real-time services 
and customized solutions. So again, like what is that future customer experience that we're going to be able to deliver as a result? And so with all of that, we also know that the AI field is not diverse and that there are real barriers um, and that this is a rapid changing field, right? And that these barriers then start to compound and that the result of having a lack of diversity has negative consequences for our industry. So I think what I appreciate is Capital One is recognizing their responsibility, our responsibility, right? to address those barriers and to lead the charge for change. And so that's why uh, we're having this summit. We wanna create a space that's really about community, you know, and uh, connection, connecting people and helping people understand both, you know, insights and future innovations, but also what are the job opportunities? What are the skill sets people need? You know, if you're considering a career, even at Capital One, what does that look like? Give people that inside step of, you know, what we look for, what the process is like, demystify that, uh, as well as just connect people to very much the similar to the conversation we've had today, right? What does that future look like? What are the skill sets that are required? Where is this industry going? Um, try and, and really also work with the Black women in AI, Latinx in AI, and queer in AI uh, communities as well to share those ideas and perspectives and give voice. So that's really, I think, big picture, the focus. Well, we're certainly uh, excited that Black Women in Artificial Intelligence is connected with Capital One and helping to assist in any way we can in partnering with you guys. So we're excited about that. When is the summit and how can people get involved? The summit is from 12 to 4 p.m. Eastern. And we're gonna have some amazing sessions. We'll have a humanity and AI um, session, which is all about, you know, it's one of the things I love that Capital One does, which is like, you could do a lot of things with machine learning. We are big believers, it needs to be centered on humanity. And so that's gonna be that focus, right? The expansion of AI, how are we having a major impact on business and society, understanding how, and how do we do that in a way that's positive and mitigate all the ways it can be negative. Um, there's also going to be a discussion on innovation in AI with the emerging applications, you know, across a wide set of industries. It's going to highlight some of those exciting advances. So again, like where's the innovation happening? Come and get some inspiration. We're also going to talk about the future, right? Uh, exploring the latest trends, how they will shape not just business, but also society. And then what's super exciting is there's going to be an interview prep workshop. So folks can come and learn best practices for interviewing at Capital One, which I just love that we're putting that out there. So um, that is the summit. It is from 12 to 4 p.m. And we absolutely love for, for people to register and get involved. Well, that is absolutely awesome. I'm sure that we will see some uh, tweets and LinkedIn posts and Facebook posts in regards to registration. Um, is there a registration fee? There is not. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Love the access. <laughs> Love the opportunity because that's what the summit is about. Diversity and AI Summit hosted by Capital One in partnership with Black Women in Artificial Intelligence. I am really excited about that event. We encourage everyone who is listening to go out and find out more about 
Biodiversity and AI Summit, you are able to, again, find out about the latest innovation, what's happening in the future of tech, find out even interviewing skills, which, you know, is a, a, a great addition to that summit, because oftentimes we are wondering, what do we need to do in the interview? You know, how do we get to the interview and then how do we get the job? I think that is going to be awesome. So make sure our listeners go to LinkedIn to find out more information on how to register for this awesome summit. And we cannot let you leave, Kat, before, you know, we we talked earlier. We were listening. We were listening. You mentioned (laughs) poetry. Yes. And you mentioned Alaska. So, you know, the question is, how do you create balance beyond the lab, beyond your work environment? How important is that? And how do you add that poetry to that mix? I'm so excited for this question. And before I I answer, I just want to just give a shout out to all of the incredible um, folks in your community that there's some special invites. There'll be some special LinkedIn invites going to directly to members of, of your, your community. And so folks should, you know, stay tuned for that as well. So we want to make sure people are able to, to be a part of it. And honestly, I think the real value will be based on who's in the room. You know, that's going to be where the real value is. That's what's going to drive the conversation. So please, please, please. Yeah. Join us. Um, now to the balance question. I have to say, I've, I'm a... I am going to be very radically transparent. I don't know that I have mastered this yet. And, you know, I, um, my manager was telling me the other day, he said, it's balancing, not balance. <laughs> and that really helps because it's like, to me, balance is like, you're perfectly, you know, you're standing on one leg, everything is perfectly distributed and you're like in you know, perfect proportions in every area of life. It's like, no, (laughs) more like sometimes you're leaning in over here and this stuff is languishing. And then you're like, okay, let me just not stay here. Let me march back over. And then, oh, look at that. Now I'm leaning in over here and this is languishing. (laughs) So it's just, you know, it's, it's the constant, like bring it back and then move over and bring it back. And so I think foundational to me and to who I am is my faith. And so that is an area I strive to put the top priority on. So I start my day in prayer and worship and reflection um, and and reading scripture, just grounding myself um, before I check my work email. My days are always better than when I like let my phone be the boss, you know? (laughs) (laughs) like check my phone right away. Then I'm just, my days are more frantic. So it's like, that I think is a very important part of how I start my day. And then, um, I will say, you know, I, I moved to New York recently from the Bay area and, and then the pandemic happened. And I don't know that we even got a sense of balance the pandemic. Cause when, when you weren't working, you're like, what's the latest virus count? You're like, you know, checking in on family and friends, everybody breathing, you know, who needs masks, who needs this, who needs that. So it was just a marathon. And, um, I definitely, you know, my, I noticed in our organization, I think this was true for everywhere. Everyone was stressed. People, if you had a job, you were grateful to have a job, but you also were nervous. You know, what was going to happen to the economy? Were, were you going to keep a job? You know, if you're multi-generational, you may have like different family members you're caring for, concerned about, you may have kids. You may have, there was just so 
much happening. And so for me, I really tried to focus on um, being a light for, for people within my organization too. And then also a lifeboat a little bit, right? Like um, give people safety, <laughs> get people safely through the storm. And my uh, coach, I have an executive coach. She's a phenomenal black woman. And she, she was like, uh, her name's Gannett. And she said, I need you to focus on being a lighthouse, not a lifeboat now. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a good mental shift of like That's taking good. care of yourself is how you take care of others. And so I've really been trying to put a focus now that I'm vaccinated, you know, I'm trying acupuncture, and like, you know, setting my doctor's appointments and um, getting my body moving again. And I am struggling with not judging myself, you know, cause like, is my health where I want it? No. Like I, you know, I moved to New York and most of my friends and social network is still in California. And so it takes extra work to rebuild those things in your life that give your life that extra beauty. And so that those are things that I am now actively like, again, that balancing, I'm like, okay, we, yes. <laughs> let's yes. prioritize that. Let's prioritize being that lighthouse, not just trying to be the lifeboat, but taking care of myself is how I will take care of my teams. Okay. We're, we're still not going to let you leave without <laughs> the poetry portion. So oh. we can't, we can't do it. We're not allowed to do that here. <laughs> on Beyond the Lab, we, we have to hear about that part. I love this prompt. Okay, I'll find a see. Even if you don't give us a poem, if you can give us, you know, some insight into, you know, what types of poetry you like. You mentioned poetry, so we, yes. we're going to stick with that. Actually, I am going to read, I'm going to see if I can pull it up very quickly on my phone, but I wrote a manifesto um, oh, wow. in 2020 before the pandemic you know because okay. that no none of us saw that coming I'm so into poetry that my twitter handle is actually cat poetry <laughs> oh but okay this is I love how the lord works but I wrote this and then the pandemic happened this was like the 2019 I wrote a manifesto sent it to my girlfriends about a new decade and what that meant So um, take from it what you will. (laughs) So this is the going beyond manifesto. We rise, sometimes stumbling, inching, sometimes at great strides, and sometimes, sometimes we fly. Life is full of two things being true at once. Sometimes we soar and freeze in the same moment, grief and joy living side by side. It's the getting up. It's the movement, no matter how small, that we celebrate, focus on, move towards. When you're in the valley, light does not travel easy. But soon we will be on the plains, looking back, rejoicing, we made it through that long night. Sometimes you're on the ascent, and the path is difficult if there's one at all, and finding your footing on the loose rock can terrify. Don't turn back. You move towards what you focus on, so focus on each step. Have faith. You'll summit and look down and say, I conquered this fear. I made it to the top. Beyond. Beyond. To me, it holds promise and speaks of mystery, 
speaks of courage and audacity and a will to cross a barrier previously thought not possible. The only way to go beyond is to move. Creeks and streams give way to mighty rivers, moving pebbles, stones, boulders, boundaries. Fear freezes and anxiety is a paralytic. They distort. Even hope can seem painful when fear is winning the day. Going beyond requires faith. Faith enlarges our thinking. It gives us courage to move in the face of the unknown, thawing us out, helping us move. It's the bridge to endless possibility. It's how we redefine ourselves without going adrift. We walk out by faith knowing you can, and with God's grace will, travel beyond your dreams and into new realms. Oh my God, that was beautiful. I absolutely love that. And we did not plan this. I'm saying this live on air. She did not write this specifically for Beyond the Lab. And for the title and Beyond to all come together is absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much, Kat Pulte, for being here, for being a part of Beyond the Lab with Black Women and Artificial Intelligence. We appreciate your time. And again, we look forward to seeing you at the Diversity and AI Summit uh, presented by Capital One. Thank you. Thank you so much and have a great day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.